Welcome to Prism Bible, where we learn the Bible so we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play, and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as we see the remnant return to the land. Opposition mounts and the people fear, but God is with them as they rebuild a life lost 70 years ago. You're listening to Prism Bible. The edict has been issued, and the Jewish people are on the move. God worked in the heart of King Cyrus of Persia, not only to allow the Jews to return to the land of Canaan, but also to finance the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. While God gave a preview of the future through the prophets, Jeremiah and Daniel, the people were now experiencing what was predicted. The 70-year captivity in Babylon was drawing to a close, and the remnant of the people would be returning to the land of Canaan in waves. The exile for most would last centuries and millennia longer. But for this small remnant, the exile would be over. The northern kingdom of Israel had been dispersed among Assyria and other nations, and the southern kingdom of Judah had been dispersed among Babylon and other nations. It was just a small remnant of these exiles that would return after 70 years in Babylon. But what happened in the land while they were away? Would they have to fight to retake the land once again? Put yourself in their shoes. Most of the population of Jews was born in exile and had never experienced living in Canaan. They had made homes and lives away from the land, and now they would go back to a home that they didn't even remember. Their grandparents may have told them about the land and about the glorious temple in Jerusalem built long ago by King Solomon. While in exile, the children surely learned their history about Abraham and Moses, about Joshua and the judges. They learned about the kings of the United Kingdom and the Davidic covenant. They learned about the kingdom split and the two golden calves Jeroboam had set up in the northern kingdom. They heard about God himself saving the city of Jerusalem from certain defeat by the Assyrians. And they knew from experience that God had exiled the nation from the land because of disobedience to the law. They knew their history, and you can imagine the parents and grandparents of the exile encouraging their children and grandchildren to follow God in the land. They knew firsthand the consequences of disobedience. But the people didn't just look back at their history. They also looked forward to the future. Many of the prophets filled in additional details about the coming king, the person that would be the descendant of Eve, of Abraham, and of David, the one who would somehow rule over an everlasting kingdom in Jerusalem, the one who would save his people from their sins and usher in a new era of peace and justice like the world has never known. They had heard about him, and they were looking forward to the kingdom. Maybe, they thought, if they worked hard enough at being good, this coming king would honor them when he came. The remnant of exiles was able to return because of a proclamation of the Persian king Cyrus. It says this at the beginning of the book of Ezra. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, 
The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place, with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides free will offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. Thanks to God working in the heart of the king, this proclamation not only allowed the people to return to the land, but also served to finance the construction of the new temple a temple to replace the old one built by Solomon, destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar decades prior. The people weren't just going back to the land, they were going back with a job to do. The first wave of returning exiles to the land was led by two men, a prince and a priest. The prince was a Jew who was given rule over the province so that he could rule the area under the authority of the Persians. The priest was a Levite who was qualified to help lead the reconstruction of the temple in Jerusalem. These two men led the people on a journey that lasted a few months, going from Babylonia back to the land, on a route that probably reminded them of the journey of Abraham from Ur to the land of Canaan 1,500 years before. And just like Abraham, they were people called by God from a land of idols and of fake gods, going to the land that God had promised them. In some ways, this was a sort of reset for Israel. Maybe this time they would follow God. Maybe. Upon arriving in the land, the people, numbering a little over 40,000, spread out to various places of settlement. But a core group of them began work on the temple. They would restore God's house as a priority over almost everything else. The primary leader of this endeavor was the priest who had helped lead the exiles back to the land. His name was Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel became governor of the area under the authority of the Persians and was able to accomplish two primary things at the beginning. First, he led the construction of the altar on which the sacrifices would be made to God. This altar allowed the sacrificial system of worship to begin again for the nation, and they were able to celebrate a feast commanded in the law that God had given the nation. Second, he led the construction of the temple foundation for the great second temple of Jerusalem, the central place for worship in Israel. It's after these two successes, the construction of the altar and the foundation of the temple, that we see opposition rise up against the returned exiles. The opposition arises out of an area where the old northern kingdom of Israel had ruled. It was an area now called Samaria, after the old capital of the northern kingdom. The Samaritans wanted to be involved in the reconstruction of the temple. But the Jews rejected their help because the Samaritans were not worshippers of the true God, nor did they follow the law that God had given Israel. Surely some of them claimed to be descendants of the tribes of the northern kingdom, but there was no way to verify their claims. Their help was rejected, and so the Samaritans decided to mount a resistance to the building campaign through writing letters and sending appeals to the Persian leadership. They appealed to the historical strength of the United Kingdom of Israel, and they said that the Jews would rebel against the Persians if their strength returned. 
They also harassed the rebuilders to slow down the progress. After many attempts, the opposition proved successful and resulted in a pause to the building project for several years. Soon, however, God sent more prophets to both rebuke the people for giving up on the building project and to encourage them to restart their efforts and press on. The people obey, and they finally start the project again to see it to completion. The temple is finally dedicated, and the priests from the tribe of Levi assume their duties in the temple, as they had done in the tabernacle and in the first temple before. It's at this point that we meet the next wave of returners, led by a priest named Ezra. Ezra was an expert in the law that God had given the nation, and upon his arrival he was shocked to see that the returning people had begun to marry non-Jews. This was not good. Apparently these returners had already forgotten the law. Didn't they know that they'd just been in exile for disobeying? Ezra had some work to do. Soon another wave of returners came, led by a man named Nehemiah. And this return is caused by a very important order from the king of Persia. This was in the year 444 BC, and Artaxerxes the king of Persia made the order to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Daniel had prophesied about this order. This would start the 483-year clock, counting down to the coming king. Finally, the one foretold ever since the garden was coming, the clock had started. Nehemiah travels to the land with the king's permission and provision, and he's dedicated to the task of rebuilding the city. The temple is already complete thanks to prior efforts, but the city walls and gates need rebuilding. The city is indefensible without an adequate wall, and Nehemiah leads the effort to fortify the city. The opposition is still present, but God is on the side of the Jews. Listen to Nehemiah's first-person account. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half of my servants worked on the construction, and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And I said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, The work is great and widely spread, and we are separated on the wall far from one another. In the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night, and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes, each kept his weapon at his right hand. The opposition had become so intense that the builders had two jobs, defense and building, a sword in one hand and a burden in the other. But after defeating these threats time and time again, the wall was finally finished. Thanks to the courageous leadership of Nehemiah, the city was now protected and the temple was complete. But Ezra's problem remained. The people needed some renovation, just as much as the city. So soon Ezra gathers all the people and he reads the law to them, pausing now and then to explain the meaning so that the people can understand. 
The people soon realize the ways in which they've transgressed God's law, and they understand their duties to uphold it. With sincerity and solemnity, they even make a covenant among themselves to keep the law. They didn't want to be cast out of the land like the Israelites before them. No, this time, they wanted to honor God in the land of Canaan. So the first great tasks of the return were complete. The temple was rebuilt with the leadership of Zerubbabel. The city walls and gates were restored thanks to Nehemiah. And the people had been rededicated to the law thanks to Ezra. The people are back in the land, and this time they'll try to keep it. It's a small beginning, but it's only the start of great expectations for the future. They look forward to a king, a great king, a king in the line of David. One who will restore Israel and reunite the 12 tribes. But in the meantime, they'll be waiting and trying to stay faithful to the law. They will be a territory of Persia with no independent government, no king, no army, and opposition all around. Though they seem to just have a city and a new second temple, they have much more than that. This remnant has hope. God isn't done with Israel, and he still has work to do through them. After all, it's through one of them, one of Abraham's seed, that God will bless all the nations of the world. Join us next time as we fly east of Babylon to Susa, a capital city of Persia. In Susa, trouble is brewing for the Jews, but God uses a beauty contest to set the stage for salvation. Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, we have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.